Good morning again, everybody. We're glad that you're here. Let's take our Bibles right now and let's hold them up and let's say the words that are up on the screen. This is just something we say to just prepare our hearts to receive the word. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living word of God. I receive it now by faith and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this new series and as we look look at the gifts that you have given to us in the Savior, Lord, help us to renew our minds to all that you have given us in Christ. Lord, may we receive these gifts afresh and anew in our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will help me minister the word in such a way that it brings life, it brings help, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're beginning a brand new series today entitled The Gifts of Christmas. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the gift of hope, the gift of peace, and the gift of joy. They're all marvelous, incredible gifts that the Savior brought to us. And today, I want to begin by looking at the gift of of hope. And so let's get into this message today by going to the book of James. Now I want to start in the book of James because I want us to just take a moment and just settle it in our minds that our God is a giver of gifts. James chapter 1 starting with verse 17. It says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, really, we see in this passage a portrait of the character of God. In other words, when you look into the truths that are in this scripture, you, you see what God is like. Listen, we always need to look to the Word to determine God's character, not experience. And this scripture here teaches us that our God is a giver of gifts, and the gifts He gives are good and perfect gifts. Let's talk about good gifts. You know, there's that saying, if you've ever been in, if you've been in church or any time at all, you probably know it, God is good. And they say all the time, God is good. We serve a good God. And he is a good God who gives good gifts. Say, Pastor Jane, I know that. Some people are confused. Sometimes it's confusing. And we understand why they get confused. Because bad things happen and you're trying to figure it out because you know that God is good. And and sometimes people in a state of emotional distress go, well, maybe God sent this bad thing to teach me something. Listen, God is good. His gifts are good. They're good for you. Hmm. Now, understand, there's a difference in God dealing with someone who's evil and him causing bad things to happen to good people. God doesn't cause bad things to happen to good people. He's a good God. And remember this, God will never act contrary to his character. Sometimes we do. He does not. 
Here's the other thing about the giver or the gifts that God gives. He says they're good and they're perfect. Now, if it's a gift from God, it has to measure up to that standard of good and perfect. Now, this word perfect has a different definition. Let me give it to you. This word perfect is defined as brought to its end, finished, lacking nothing necessary to completeness, perfect. Wow. In other words, the gifts that God brings are necessary if our lives are to be complete. If we are to mature and grow in our faith, then we need these gifts that God brings. We could say it this way. The gifts God gives help complete us. They mature us. We could also put it this way. These gifts that come in the person of Christ, the Savior, they help God finish the work that he begins in us as salvation. You need all the gifts. I, I like all the gifts. We've been getting some packages at the door. Jeff and I have an agreement. We don't buy one another Christmas gifts. He just lets me shop all year, and I'd rather shop all year than get a few gifts at Christmas. But at Christmas, they'll say, okay, you know, if you see something, get it. Or if you see some things, get them. <laughs> so I've had a couple packages arrive this week. You know what? I unwrapped every one of them. I opened the boxes. Listen, some of you have some gifts from the Christ and you're not enjoying those gifts and I want to help you unwrap these gifts because you need them they are necessary for your life to be complete we could say this if you don't receive these gifts our lives are incomplete without Jesus and the gifts he brings our lives are incomplete. Have you ever been online and you're filling out a form and at the bottom of the page you can click to move forward. Maybe you're going to complete your transaction. You, you want to get to the next page and, and so often I've been doing that and when I clicked at the bottom of the page I, I couldn't move forward. And some red letters came across. Incomplete information. Please fill out the missing blanks. In other words, I couldn't move forward because something was missing. Listen, some of you can't move forward in your faith, in your life from that brokenness. You can't move forward because something's missing, but you'll find it in the gift of Christ. Now, here's, what's ha here's what's, what happens when something's missing. And why you don't want to live your life with something missing. Because when something's missing, you're always searching. D did you get that? When something's missing, you're searching. Your time, your energies, your attention, your thoughts are always going toward what's missing. And so often you don't enjoy what you have because you're searching for what is missing. I'll give you a simple illustration. When they first put out the 
Christmas decorations. When, when was that? Halloween? <laughs> I think just before Halloween. Anyway, when they first put them out, I saw these big red bells and I decided that we needed them for the outside of our house. <laughs> and so I got them early on and I put them upstairs and uh, you, you know, I knew where they were. And one day, a couple of weeks, you know, before I needed to put them up, I went out there. I went up and got them, and I put them out just to make sure they worked. And then I brought them back in. Well, last week when I went to pull out all the Christmas decorations, actually last weekend, not this weekend, I pulled out all the Christmas decorations. I could not find those bells, folks. I'm telling you, all week long, I'm at work. Where are those bells? I'm searching in my mind where I put those bells. I'm at home. Where did I put those bells? My time, my energies, my attention. I'm going through every Christmas box. I'm going through the closet because something's missing. When I was doing this sermon on Saturday, or rather on Friday, I was doing it and I got to that part. I thought the missing bells. I got up because I was studying at home on Friday. And what did I do? I went to look for the missing bells. But I found him. <laughs> and so now look, Saturday, it took none of my time, took none of my thoughts, took none of my attention because I found what was missing. Listen, my prayer for you is that in this series, as we unwrap the gifts of hope and peace and joy, you will find anything that's missing so you can go ahead and enjoy life because you found what is missing in Christ. And any time you feel like something is missing, you know exactly where to go. Go to the Savior. The gifts he brings, the gifts God gives, they complete us. They complete our relationships. They complete our marriages. This is good news. Merry Christmas. Come on, let's celebrate this season. Yes, we don't have everything we want. Yes, there's some messy things going on in our world. But the Savior came. He can help us clean up every mess. He can make right things happen in our life. He can cause wrong things to turn around. He can bring good out of bad. We're celebrating the Savior. And listen, as the church, we need to make sure that we take advantage of this season. Amen. I got a card. It's just a little personal preference here that I'm going to share. Maybe a personal little tiff. But I got a card from a pastor this week who shall remain anonymous. He's not a good friend, but I know of them. And they sent us a Christmas card, which is very generous. Thank you. But it said, Happy Holidays. Nothing about Jesus in this card. I thought, you crazy? The one time... When the world will let us, uh, uh, when, when they will, will put up with us talking about Jesus and the manger, let's take advantage of it, folks, Amen. and share Jesus. Oh, we love him. What an indescribable gift. Let's not miss out on the true meaning of Christmas. Let's enjoy it to its fullest Let's celebrate the Savior that has come. Now listen to this concerning the gifts God brings. The gifts God gives in Christ provide what's missing 
and empower us to move forward. You know, the other thing about these gifts that God gives is that they mature us. How many of you know there's a benefit to maturity? Mm -hmm. Can we just say this? Not all adults are mature. But you can become mature. You can become mature in your faith. But it's the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and the other gifts that Christ brings that help us mature. Now, why do you want to mature? Because when you mature, you get the rewards of maturity. Think about in the insurance world. They say when an insurance policy matures, what do they mean? It means you get the payout. You get the benefits. You get to cash in. Well, let's receive these gifts so that then we can receive the blessings. God's gifts help us mature so we enjoy all the benefits of Christ's salvation. Wow. Mm. Now, listen, salvation is a package deal. Lots of benefits in salvation. And so we're going to look at three of them that Jesus brought. Hope, peace, peace joy. And so let's get into the gift of hope this morning. What a marvelous gift. Now remember, this is a gift. You you simply have to receive it. You don't have to earn this gift of hope. It came with the Savior. This is God's gift to you. Wow. If you could literally walk up to someone today and hand them hope, Wouldn't you do it? Well, Jesus is hope. Telling people about Jesus brings hope. Remember, he's your hope. Listen to Matthew 12, 21. This, of course, is speaking of Jesus. And it says, and his name will be the hope of all the world. Mm. Jesus is the hope of the world hope came into the world with the birth of the savior so see there therefore i know that you never have to be hopeless in any situation regardless of how hopeless you may feel don't let your feelings convince you that there's no hope Mm -mm. Remember the Savior came. And one of the gifts that God brought to us through the Savior is this gift of hope. You and I never have to be hopeless in any situation because the Savior has come. I want to read this passage, Matthew 12, 21, from a couple of other translations. I just want you to receive it today. Listen listen to this. The Message Bible says, The mere sound of his name will signal hope. Easy Reader's Version says, All people will hope in him. God's Word says, The nations will have hope because of him. Because Jesus is the hope of the world, there's hope for your world. Come on, there's hope for your world. Uh, Listen, 
all of us have had things that have happened in our world. There is the world, but what about your world? You see, the Savior will bring hope in your world. There is a gift that's for you, and it's the gift of hope. It is God telling you that things can be better with Christ, that he can work for you, that he can bring to pass his will in your life. Come on, Jesus, signal to all of us that there is hope. Wow. We've been through some hopeless days in this pandemic. But Jesus brings hope. At Christmas, we celebrate this gift of hope. Let me define hope for you. Now, the word hope that's used here in Matthew 21 is the verb, the Greek verb. And it literally means to wait for salvation with joy and full of confidence of those who hope for something from God. And then just the noun hope is defined as the desire of something good with the expectation of obtaining it. You see, biblical hope is a strong word. It's a powerful word. It's a big word. Remember in the Love chapter 1 Corinthians 13, it says there abides three, faith, hope, and love. Hope made it into the big three. I know some of you are happy that some of your teams made it into the, you know, next stage. Yes, your football team made it to the next stage yesterday. But come on, hope is powerful. A lot of times in the world, the word hope is used in place of the word wish. People go, well, I'm just hoping. I'm just a hoping. I'm just a hoping and a praying. That is not biblical hope. You're wishing and talking. <laughs> biblical hope speaks of someone who's turning to God and expecting to receive something from God. You say, Pastor Jana, I'm really not a person of hope. Yes, you are. Every time. You reach up to God. That means you have hope. The reason you pray, don't you pray? Because you're hoping to receive something from God. But hope is powerful because not only does it cause you to turn to God to receive something from Him, but hope says, I'm going to obtain it. I have an expectation that I'm going to receive what I need from God. Mm, it's powerful. We need this hope. Now, here's the truth. We'll always need something from God to experience the life Christ bought. We, we can't live this life, the life Christ purchased for us, without the help of God. But hope says, God, I'm going to reach up to you, and I have an expectation that I'm going to receive something. Now, hope is future. Faith says, I receive it now. Hope says, God, I can wait because I'm expecting. How many of you know, as long as you're expecting, you can wait. But when you lose hope, you won't wait anymore. We don't want you losing hope. Now, listen, Jesus is our hope. Because of him, we're never beyond hope. We never have to give up. You know, sometimes it says 
it's said in this season. Well, Jesus is the reason for the season, and he is. But Jesus is also the reason that you can have hope that you're going to obtain what you need from God. You may have a lot of reasons why you can feel hopeless. You You may have a lot of reasons why you think nothing good can come out of this situation that I'm in right now. But you only need one reason to hope. And it's enough. And his name is Jesus. And because of Jesus, hear me now, you can have hope in every situation. And I'm praying that right now the Holy Spirit, even as I'm ministering this message, that he would minister the hope of Jesus to you. Mm. That he would create in you an expectation. Come on, it's Christmas time. Have you seen those little kids? They are waiting for Christmas. And they are expecting something good to be under the tree. Mm. <laughs> Me too. She's not even a kid, but she's expecting. Okay, come on. Now, here's the thing about hope. Hope is future. We hope for good. We hope for better. I like what Joyce Meyer said. I heard her say this years ago, and I wrote it down, and, and I, I remembered it and brought it back uh, it, for this message today. Now, now, listen. She said, never assume that where you are or where you, uh, never assume that where you've been or where you are is as good as it gets. Never assume where you've been or where you are is as good as it gets. Always hope for better. Mm. With God, you can hope that things are going to be better than they've never been. Hope assures us that there are better things to come. And here's the other thing about hope, the power of hope. There's power within hope to help us wait with confidence and joy. Mm. You see, we don't have all that we need right now as far as it being manifested. But because we hope in God, okay, so it didn't show up today, but I'm hoping. I have an expectation. It's coming. Just because it didn't come doesn't mean it's not on its way. Come on, hope that it is going to happen. Never give up hope. Do you remember the story of the... Chilean miners that were trapped under 700,000 tons of rock. But those 33 men were able to get into a safe room, a refuge room in there. And one of the miners wrote on day 12 in his diary, he said, it's getting hopeless. Because while they were alive, they could not get any signal to the people above that they were alive and they had no idea how they would get to them even if they knew they were alive and on 12 on day 12 he writes and he says it's getting hopeless our skins are sagging now you can see the bones in our face men's legs are weak they can barely walk we're running out of food you see that was day 12 But day 17, 
the drill broke through. It broke through right outside their refuge room, right outside the safe room. They began hearing the sounds of the drill a couple of days before, but they they weren't sure what it was. And then all of a sudden, that drill broke through. And when that drill broke through, it said all 33 miners went out there, and each one of them, they gave every one of them a turn to bang on the drill with a wrench so that the people would know we're here. And then they wrote personal notes to family. I don't even know how they stuck them on the drill. I guess they figured out a way, but they got them on the drill. And then the last note they wrote I want to get it right I wrote it down here so I could get it right let's see oh the last one they wrote is they said we are well in the refuge the 33 you see all of a sudden they had hope because a drill broke through listen you can have a hope no matter if you feel like hope has caved in your world the savior came into the dark world and we have hope it's amazing what you can endure when you have hope Altogether, they were. This is only day seventeen. They were there sixty-nine days, but it didn't matter. Now they had hope. Come on, we need some hope in our world. Let me take you to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. I want to spend just a moment here. Ephesians two, or rather two twelve. Ephesians two twelve from the Contemporary English Version. It says, "At that time, you did not know about Christ." You were foreigners to the people of Israel, and you had no part in the promises that God had made to them. You were living in this world without hope and without God. Let me just remind you, without God, without Christ, there is no hope. A hopeless life is a wearisome life, but the Savior came. Hope came. There's a story told of a town in Maine, it was called Flagstaff. It was a bustling town back in the 1940s. Then the electric company came in and said, listen, we've got to have more electricity, so we have got to flood this town. So they offered uh, uh, monies to all the residents that lived there. And the residents really didn't have a choice. They had to sell to the electric company so they could build this dam to provide power to, this, to the rest of the state. But it says the moment that everyone knew that that city was going to be flooded, everything stopped. No more repairs. In fact, one writer puts it this way. They said, so week by week, the whole town became more and more bedraggled, more gone to seed, more woebegone. Reminds me of a quote by John Maxwell, where there is no hope in the future There is no power in the present. Mm. When you think nothing good's going to happen tomorrow, when you think nothing's going to happen financially, you think there's no way out, and all of a sudden you lose power in the present. We need to get our hopes up. How do you get your hopes up? You say, Pastor Jane, I, I know Jesus is hope, and he's his Savior, but it's like I can't go to him and say, Jesus, leave me some hope right there. How do we really get our hopes up in this world? How do we receive the gift that the Savior brought? So glad you asked because I studied. Found out. Went to the book. 
Listen, go with me to Romans chapter 15, 4. It says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. God's word is our source of hope. Do you remember what it says about Jesus? In speaking of Jesus in John chapter 1, it says, the word was made flesh and came to live among us. Jesus is one with his word. The Savior and his word are one. If you want the hope the Savior brought, then go to the book of hope. Just say it this way. If you want high hopes, go to the Bible and fill up. Come on, you want high hopes? Then go to the Bible and fill up. Do you know that we determine how hopeful we are, how full of hope we are. Mm. You can tell the difference between a hopeless person and a hopeful one. Let me give you a couple of definitions, other definitions of hope. Hope is also defined as a confident expectation of a favorable outcome. Come on. When you're thinking about the outcome of that, hope says it's going to be a good one. Hope is also defined as the happy and confident anticipation of good. God's word gets our hopes up. Jesus keeps our hopes up. Low word level, low hope level. How about Psalm 119 verse 114? You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Now listen, what is your source of hope? Where are you looking to? To get your hope. Where are you looking to build that expectation of a favorable outcome in the situations? Don't just feed on circumstances. Don't just feed on what the world is saying. Hmm. Come on. Now, I want to wrap this up today by taking you to a passage in the book of Hebrews. Then we'll jump, jump over to Romans for just a moment. I'm going to give a real quick little Bible lesson in the midst of this sermon. Because you see, one of the reasons that we need hope is because so often storms come in life. And so often the storms of life, the circumstances that come up, will steal our hope. And then when we lose hope, we don't receive the promise. And so Hebrews taught us that hope can also be an anchor so we don't drift away from the promise in the middle of the storm. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews also uses Abraham. We'll see how Abraham used hope. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. But how many of you know there was the wait in between? That's where we need hope so that we can wait and receive. 
<coughs> Go with me now to Romans chapter 4, verse 18. I'm giving you a Bible lesson in the midst of a Bible lesson. Romans 4.18 teaches us that Abraham used hope. It said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Wow, he kept hoping even when there was no reason to hope. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 6.18. It says, so God has given us both his promise and his oath, his word and his name. That's what the promise and the oath stand for. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Verse 19, the hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Here's what the wonderful gift of hope will do in your life. God's word is our hope and hope is the anchor for our souls we need our souls to be anchored in this life it is in the soul remember our soul is our mind our will our emotions it's in the soul where we usually give up mm. so what does hope do hope keeps our mind our will and our emotions steady in the storm because they're affected by the storm. You know you're affected by what goes on. So you need hope. Listen, our Savior is our hope in every storm. One's we caused. One's the enemy brought. One's that are simply a part of life. It doesn't matter who caused the storm. Hope will keep you steady in every storm. He's the Savior. We're simply the saved. Come on. When our hopes are up, it's because the anchor is down. We've anchored in the Word of God. We've anchored our hope in what God has said to us. Jesus, our gift of hope, is our confidence that what God has promised will happen come on will happen will happen will happen he holds us steady in every storm Jesus literally is the reason that we keep holding because he's given us the confidence that we're going to receive what we believe now listen Merry Christmas you're getting an anchor Through the Savior, the gift of a Savior, you got the anchor you need to receive every promise that God has made to you. That you can receive every gift, unwrap it, and enjoy what those gifts represent. Listen, enjoy your gift of hope, not only in this Christmas season, but throughout your life. It's a gift that just keeps on giving. You'll always need it. It will always be there for you because it's the Savior himself. Jesus, Savior, our hope, and the hope of the world.
Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.